0: Welcome to New Freedom Church. Our mission is to be real people walking and experiencing real freedom. If you're new with us, please like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get new content immediately when it's released. And we wanna thank those of you who have shared our videos because it helps us to reach even more people with the life-changing message that there is a savior who loves you and wants real, genuine freedom for you. And if you haven't done so already, go to newfc.org. Go to the connect tab and share with us how we can best connect with you and your family to serve your needs well good morning morning. welcome back to our journey through the Psalms the pages of life what I love about this series is that as we read the Word of God the Word of God reads us and we start to see our own story through the story of those pilgrims many ages ago and uh, this morning we're going to look at uh, Psalm 128 it is a Psalm of Ascent we sang about the highlands and how we ascend up that mountain just a minute ago, and that is a, a song that was written for this specific section of Psalms. There are 15 chapters that deal with the journey that the ancient pilgrims of, of uh, the area would come to Jerusalem uh, three times a year to worship God on the city of Jerusalem, and it was a, a trek up a mountain because Jerusalem was located on top of a mountain. And many times in our lives, it feels like we're climbing, and we're climbing, and we're going, and it seems like there, there can be a, a tough road ahead, but there is a joy that is set before us. And this joy is the joy of worshiping God, just like they had worshiped God. Uh, the, the Psalms and in, in all have been called the prayer book or the songbook of Jesus. This would have been a passage of scripture that he had committed to memory, and many of the Jews had at this time that this was written as well, committed these 15 in particular into memory. And so it is each one of them starting out with a little bit of a proclamation to God. It deals with some difficulties in their journey, and then it, it kind of brings it uh, all the way around every time to bringing praise to God. So I think if we, could, if we could look at our own lives and we could sandwich the proclamation of God first, the, the struggle in between, and then being that place of worship last, uh, it, it just paints a nice picture for us of worship to the Lord. So Psalm 128, let me just read these six verses. It says, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor, blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children peace beyond Israel. So this is the proclamation of a blessing. Let's talk about blessing here for just a little bit because the the title today, Beyond Pages of Life, I want to talk about the blessed life. I want us to look at our our life as being a blessed life or being in the the process of walking out the blessings of life, the blessed life. Well, there are a couple of words um, to define blessed. When you read the scriptures, you have to understand that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew originally, and the New Testament was written in Greek and Aramaic. And there are many words in the translation that when they come over to English, just gets translated one way. Uh, but there are, are emphasis or distinction based on the original translation. Uh, the word love, for example, in the New Testament, we say uh, love, and we say something like, I love my house, I love my cat, I love my dog, I love my children. But we understand that with emphasis, we don't love all of those things to the same capacity. There are different aspects of love. Well, in the Greek language, there are uh, multiple words for love and each word has a little different emphasis on what it means. So it is with the Hebrew language. When we look at the word blessed here, there are actually two words that they use for blessed. And in this one Psalm, there are a couple times where the word blessing is used by the psalmist. And he toggles back and forth between these two words. And here are the two words. Esher is a word blessed, which means happy. And then there is bracha, which is to bless or to kneel. It is the same word that they use for knee. So when they would barack the Lord, what they were talking about was they would bless God and worship, and they would kneel before him, and they would have an awe of his presence. When they would talk about being happy or being blessed or walking in the blessed life, it was the word esher, which means happiness, or or we would kind of relate it to being joyful. I read a survey uh, just this week. Uh, NBC News said that American adults are the unhappiest that they have been in 50 years. Years. This survey was just done in June, that American adults are the unhappiest that they'd ever been in 15 years. Only 14% of adults say that they are somewhat or very happy. So only one out of every, I don't know, five people in this room probably find themselves at a place that they would say, I am Escher, I am blessed, I am very happy in life. Everyone else kind of falls into another category of thinking about life. And, and really, that, that's not hard to understand, is it? We're in a, a worldwide pandemic. We're in an election year. We're in a polarized culture. We're in a cancel uh, culture. We're in a place where if you say the wrong thing, then half of the people on your thread will just cancel you or, or, or unlike you. or We're just on pins and needles, and we're we are in a time of uncertainty. And so it's really not a surprise that people find themselves unhappy in this day and in this age. But when we look at happiness, we have to understand that that is based on happenstance or the circumstances that are around us. But the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, is something that comes from the inside and it bubbles out. So I want to talk to you today about the blessed life. And here's how this first verse would have read if you, if you translate it uh, in the original. It says, Oh, how happy Are all who fear the Lord who walk in obedience to Him? Not just blessed, but oh, how happy are those who fear God. Now, that word fear has to be a little bit uh, drilled down on as well because we think of fear usually in a negative connotation in our culture. We, we, we hear the word fear, and it's usually something that has uh, gripped us, that has paralyzed us, that has caused us to, to just be afraid. That's not the kind of fear that's being referenced here in the Scripture. There are a couple different types of fear in the Scripture. Now, uh, I was driving uh, to church this morning, and I was, I was uh, taking my usual route. I was on State Route 42, and right in, in this one section before you get to Lebanon, there is a sneaky little place where the sheriff can sit there, and if you're not careful and you're driving a little too fast, then fear can grip your heart because you will look down at your, your speedometer and realize, oh no, they just clocked me. But this morning, because it was still a little bit dark out, I was able to catch the reflector off the side of his car, so I wasn't quite as fearful as I may have been if I had been speeding too much. Of course, I don't speed a lot, but every now and then, you know, the, the foot gets a little heavy. So... So fear, when we think that we have been caught or, or that feeling of, of uh, maybe realizing that you have been uh, breaking a law, uh, that kind of can settle in on you for a moment and you think, oh my goodness, what, what is this? And so there's a little fear there. There's another kind of fear, and this is the more biblical accurate fear that it's talking about here, is that when you walk into a grand hall or a, a wonderful building, the feeling of awe that you get i don't know if you've ever been there but one of the most magnificent buildings in all of washington dc is the library of congress it was built in the late 1800s and it was built as a monument of American exceptionalism and success for the world to see that America had finally arrived. And when you walk into the Library of Congress, not only are there thousands upon thousands of books, but there are tall pillars and columns. There are inlaid gold and and, uh, decorative uh, artwork all over, embroidered and embossed into the wall. And you can walk into this grand library and you can have this sense of there's something special here. There is an awe about this place, that this wasn't built overnight, that this didn't have just the cheap, quickest materials they could find, but someone went to painstaking labor to make sure that they put the best in this room, that this is the best place. This is the kind of awe that a worshiper would get when they were traveling up the mountain of Jerusalem and they would get to that hilltop and they would walk into the temple and they would stand in the presence of God. Not only was the the building beautiful, not only was it made of the finest material, not only did it have the best of everything in it, but the presence and the glory of God rested in the temple. And there was a sense of fear, or awe, I should say, of awesomeness when you would walk into that room. And so it says here, How happy are all who fear the Lord or have an awe of his presence, who sense that he is glorious, how happy is that person, and when they walk in obedience to him. So the blessed life is a life where you can recognize all that's happening around you, you can be in reverence of the Lord, and you can walk in an obedience. Matthew Henry says that an idle life is a miserable and uncomfortable life. But those who fear God will walk out the pages of this life. They will walk out their day. We won't just simply sit in idleness because that's miserable. We are all made for a purpose. We all have a a certain function that only we can do. There is a bent to each and every one of us that when we operate within our bent, when we operate within our calling, within our giftedness, then something activates on the inside of us and it is glorious. And so we have a blessed life. Let me give you my definition of blessed. I was uh, writing this this week. My definition of blessed is to be supremely content. I mean supreme contentment, an internal, untouchable peace. Think about it. If you're really a blessed person, it's not based upon what happens on the outside. That's just a byproduct. But if you are blessed, there is an internal, untouchable peace. We used to sing a little song at kids' church that said, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away because it's an internal piece, it's untouchable, and it is complete fulfillment. Now, this definition of blessed is not that I have everything that I have ever wanted in my life all come together at this one time, and now I don't want anything else. No, contentment doesn't mean that there's not still some kind of striving for better, there's not some kind of improvement in your life, there's not some kind of desire to, to go to the next level. I'm not talking about just sitting down and being content to where you just quit in life. I'm talking about a contentment that all I have in this moment is all I really need. Content. Content. Untouchable. Internal. That is a blessed life. And contrary to popular belief, you can absolutely be blessed right in the middle of a mess while you're going through troubles and trials and tribulation, you can be blessed. What does that mean? You can be supremely content. You can be fulfilled. You can have this internal sense that I know my God is faithful. And regardless of what is happening to me, I know that he will see me through. Jesus gave a message It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the the most uh, famous messages ever given, probably the best uh, sermon ever preached, I would say. And uh, there are eight aspects of blessing that Jesus talks about in this Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Beatitudes. I just wanna take the first one and I I want you to to see some, some aspects of this because I think it directly compares to the blessed life. In Matthew 5, 3, Jesus says these words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus links the blessing of a person who has given up their right over themselves, to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to inaugurate his kingdom. He hasn't yet consummated the kingdom because he hasn't come to uh, fulfill that uh, day in which uh, new heavens, new earth are created and we have uh, everything made right again and he restores uh, what has gone wrong. We haven't seen that yet, but Jesus inaugurated his kingdom at his resurrection and ascension. And so he says these words. He says that the blessing of the person who is poor in spirit has the byproduct result of being able to operate in and be a citizen of the kingdom here and now. Right now, before it's even consummated, that inaugurated kingdom is accessible to the person, and he gives eight areas of this, but here's the first one. Blessed is the person who is poor in spirit. So according to Jesus, now these are Jesus words, these are in red in your Bible. According to Jesus, True happiness comes when you have some kind of poverty. Hear me. When you are devoid of this one thing, then you have riches in this other thing. And he's not talking about material poverty. He's not saying that you're poor. Uh, you're blessed when you're poor. Many have read that into there, and they've taken a vow of poverty. And then they realize it's not much fun being poor. I have a lot of ones. I have a lot of desires. I have a lot of un- met, uh, unfulfilled needs when I'm poor materially. He's not talking about that. In fact, God is not so worried about what you have materially as long as what you have materially doesn't have you, as long as it's not an idol that you worship it. But here's what he's saying. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. In the Proverbs, there's a man named Agar. And in, in Proverbs 30, he, he kind of gives this, this uh, little recitation to the Lord as he's, he's writing out his prayer. And he says a word like this. He says, God, I pray that I am neither rich nor poor. Now, that, that fascinated me. I looked at it, and I thought, now, that's contentment. When you can pray, God, don't make me rich, and don't make me poor, but I just kind of want to ride in the center. I want to be somewhere in between, because he said, if I'm poor, then I would be tempted to steal to fulfill my needs, and if I'm rich, then I'll be tempted to trust in my riches and get prideful and not turn to you. So God, help me to be balanced, help me to be blessed, help me to be fulfilled in what I have. Now, this beatitude is different than all the other beatitudes, and that's why I wanted to highlight it. Not only is it the first one, but it is the only beatitude that begins with emptying oneself of something instead of being filled with something. All the other Beatitudes, the other seven, you can read them when you get home, the other seven have to deal with some type of filling. There's something that God is filling in us. Blessed are you who mourn, for you shall be comforted. And so, uh, blessed are, are you when they persecute you, for you shall be called the children of God. So there is a blessing for the fulfilling, but this one, there is a blessing for the emptying. Now think about it. To be blessed, to, be the, to, to walk in the blessed life, you don't go by the world's motto, which is self-reliance, self-dependence, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, work hard, do all that you can do, get all that you can, and, and, and make a life for yourself. That's not what this one is talking about. This is saying you are blessed when you are emptied of yourself. When you're emptied of that world's motto, then You are blessed. I couldn't resist this one because we are in the full swings of election season. But did you recognize that we do not elect humble politicians? (laughs) A humble politician is an oxymoron. Now, you might think that all politicians are morons. (laughs) That could be too. But we don't elect humble politicians. Why? Because there has been on the inside of humanity from the the fall, there has been this desire to have a king or to have someone over us. And so therefore, when someone comes and takes a stage and they give you all of the reasons why they can fix all of the problems and they're exuding with confidence, we get on and we vote for that. We love that confidence. There is no such thing as a humble politician. That's why the apostle Paul would not have made a good politician. We probably would not have elected him. Why? Because he was humble, because he said, less of me and more of God. I am the least of all of the apostles. He was continually emptying himself out. He was continually heaping praise on someone else and deferring it from, him, from himself. That's not what politicians do. They tell you why you, they sh- you should vote for them. They tell you why they're so great. They tell you all of the great things that they plan to do. They, they lay out all of their agenda. But that is not so with someone who has emptied themselves and become poor in spirit. Paul the apostle had this much confidence in his flesh. None. He had zero confidence in his flesh. In other words, what he's saying was, it's not based on what I can do. It's based on how low that I can go personally to be filled with God's presence and with his spirit. To be poor in spirit means to be completely absent of self-reliance. It means to abandon our personal pride. It means that we must be emptied of self so that we can be filled with God. Living the blessed life is less about you, and it's more about God. The kingdom of heaven is the result, not the reward, for the blessed life. Hear me. The kingdom of heaven is a byproduct of the blessed life. It's not that you worked so hard to enter or to earn the kingdom of heaven. It's that you have emptied yourself so much that you have entered into his rest. That you have ceased from your human labor of trying to fix your problem on your own, from trying to put all the pieces together, from trying to figure it out. And you have given up control of that logic of trying to piece it all together, having the answer and having the solution, and you have given that right over to the Lord then you walk in the kingdom of heaven. That is a byproduct. And this humility that we walk in is the baraka of God. It is the kneeling before the Lord. It is the other word we use for blessed because when we kneel before God, what are we saying? You are king and I am not. When we kneel before the Lord, it is an act of humility. When we lift our hands up and worship like this, you know what this is? This is the universal sign of surrender anywhere you're at in the world, you lift up your hands like this and they say, aha, they've surrendered. When you and I come into a place of worship and we lift up our hands without wrath and doubt, what we're saying is I surrender, I give up, God. In your presence, I am nothing, but you can fill me to make me something. You can make me blessed. Jesus says these words himself. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, and this is where the psalm transitions just a little bit, is that it talks about that you will eat the fruit of your labor. Now, I thought that we were just supposed to let God do it all. No, there is a part that you have. I talked about this last week at the wind and the sail, and there's a part that God has. You have to build the ship, but only God can send the wind to fill the sails. So you, once you have emptied of yourself and you have, you've done all uh, that you can do uh, to to uh, humble yourself now you have a work to do and there is a labor and it says that you will be blessed with prosperity and it will be yours your wife will be like the a fruitful vine within your house your children will be like olive shoots around your what table remember i shared with you a few weeks ago about what happens around a table what happens around eating together breaking bread together That Some of the greatest things in America, uh, Ronald Reagan said, has happened around the dinner table. Because a shared life is a blessed life. You're never going to really have and walk in blessing unless you can get into that place of sharing it with others. A shared life is a blessed life. You know, I was preparing this and I was thinking about my own life, and I was thinking about the lives of those around me and and just our, our country in general, I believe there are so many people that have and walk in a blessed life that don't even realize it. They're not even aware. They're not even able to see just how blessed they are because they compare their current situation with someone else. And what someone else has, where their status in life, what they're doing, appears to be more of a blessing than where you're at. And you're not even aware that you are truly walking in a place of blessing. And I would say this, never let comparison rob you of your present contentment. Never let comparing yourself to someone else rob you of a present contentment that's on the inside that God is bringing to you a blessing. Realize today, look around and know that you have a blessed life that God has bestowed his mercy and his blessing upon you. I can remember uh, when my kids were smaller, the anticipation that that I had uh, for Christmas. Now, when I was a kid, I was always anticipating what I was going to get on Christmas morning. How how many relate? You know, the, the presents are wrapped, you've already shaken them, you've tried to guess, but you get there and you open it up and you're so grateful. But when you have children, and when I I look back on on some of the Christmases past for us, there is nothing to compare with the anticipation that I have for them to open up their presents on Christmas morning. I could care less what I get. Isn't that that the case with a parent? You don't really care what you're going to get. I mean, so what? Your kid went to the, the Santa's workshop and bought you a few pencils and an eraser to give you at Christmas. That's wonderful, Right. But it's, and it came from the heart, so you appreciate it. But you have packaged something under the tree for them, and you can't wait. You're waiting with anticipation until they open that gift. And Jesus said it like this, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I think that's the fulfillment of that verse is when we can truly have that experience of giving to someone who can never give back to us what we have measured out to them. And we do it gladly. We do it with joy. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And this psalm says that what happens when you uh, share your life with others, especially those in your family, especially those in your oikos, your 8 to 15, those people who are close in your circle of influence, that there is a joy that comes from that, that all the money in the world can't buy, that there is a blessing that you walk in. You know, this really is the second core value of New Freedom Church, and that is relationships. Relationships is how that we get through life together. We were not meant to be an island by ourselves. We relate to God through our worship. I just talked about it. When we lift our hands and, and we, we surrender to God, that, that is our worship and that's relationship with God. We relate with others through our fellowship and that's through talking with others. It's through walking life with others. It's through picking up the phone and let somebody know, hey, I'm praying for you right now. There's not a lot I can do for your situation. I can't really fix what you're going through, but I can walk with you through it. I can pray with you, I can pray for you, I can talk with you, I can be that listening ear and we relate with each other through fellowship. But there's another type of relationship that New Freedom Church is all about and that is we relate with not yet believers through our witness. And I say not yet believers because I believe that there are so many people in our lives that are on the process, they're on the road, they're on the journey, their pages of life are flipping very quickly and God is drawing their heart and he's probably using you and me in some way through our witness to let them see the goodness and the blessing of God and it's not always just inviting them to church it's not always preaching to them but sometimes it's just simply coming alongside doing life with them that is a witness or when your life seems to have difficulties and troubles and yet you're not falling apart when your life is that's a witness to them why because God is in control because I'm empty of myself. I'm being filled with him. I can't do all the things out here to put the pieces together, but I know the one that can, and that is our witness. Blessing is the theme that runs all throughout the Bible. You can see it from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth, he, the six days of creation. On the, on the seventh day, he rested, but he blessed us with all that we see around us. God blessed the entire world creation. God blessed humanity. God blessed his world. And it's a theme that runs all throughout scripture, and Israel was blessed as they would turn to God, and then they would turn away from God, and they would start to experience that distance, and there would be judgment that would come on them from, from a time of walking contrary to the ways of God. But then as soon as they would draw close again, the blessing would return. And we get all the way to the end. We get to the book of Revelation, and here's what the, the John the Revelator says. He says that, I am coming quickly, he's quoting Jesus. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So there is a blessing when we read and hear the book of Revelation, but then there is also a blessing to keep it and to recognize that God is doing this blessing as a theme all from the beginning to the end. And he wants you and I to walk in a blessed life. He wants you and I to be looking at, with anticipation, like these first pilgrims going to the city of Jerusalem on their ascent up to the mountaintop to worship God as they're rejoicing, they're sharing life with one another and they're having this supreme contentment. They're recognizing an internal untouchable peace that is fulfilling. And maybe you haven't experienced that untouchable peace. Maybe you, you just, you haven't had that fulfillment for a while. Well, here's what I know about you, and I may not even know you, is that you want to be happy. You want to be blessed, like the scripture says. Oh, how happy are those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. I know that you want to be happy because I've yet to meet a person who says, Pastor Joe, I just want to be miserable. Can you help me? (laughs) Nobody does that. Everybody wants this contentment, they want this fulfillment. And maybe you haven't felt that fulfillment for a while. God wants you to be blessed. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just between you and God, I just want to ask you a question, then we're going to sing it. I want to ask you this question. Is it well with your soul? How is it between you and the Lord? The gospel message is this, that God sent his one and only son to come to this earth, to walk on this earth, to be the way, the truth, and the life. To bleed and suffer and die on that cross that he might be the fulfillment of all the promises in Israel and become the Messiah and the king of the world. That he might be king and no other king but Jesus. And he offers to you and me today in 2020, he offers us eternal life. He offers us this great hope that we can be blessed as we turn to him. As we look to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are king. So if you're not experiencing the blessed life, if it's not well with you right now, there is only one way to make that happen, and that is to turn to Jesus as king, to release the control that you have on your life, to empty of yourself and therefore be filled with him. God, today I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that they would hear the words of your great news, that Jesus is king. He is Lord of all. And Lord, today I pray that someone would make that decision to take a step of faith, to cross that line of faith and say, today I wanna make Jesus my king, my personal king and my Lord, and I'll serve him. And our prayer today is, God, make it well with us. Even when things on the outside are raging, make it well with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. I just can't wait for next week. You're not going to want to miss it. Thank you for sharing on social media and please subscribe. And if this message has impacted you in any way, would you just write a rating or review for us so we can reach even more people with this message? Your generosity really does make a difference. So to give, please go to newfc.org and click on the giving tab or click on the link in the video description. We love you. We'll see you real soon.